Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Money and Stuff. Uh, as you know, I'm your host, Sam Rodriguez, uh, certified financial planner, co-founder, Foundation Wealth Partners. Super excited today uh, for the first time ever on, on, on the podcast, we're going to have uh, our co-founder, Brian Krukiel. Brian Krukiel and I uh, co-founded Foundation Wealth Partners uh, many years ago. Obviously, both of us really had the idea in mind of what exactly we thought a financial services firm should be for people. Through happenstance, we happened to find each other, decided to create what we thought should be uh, for you guys. Um, but Brian and I are in constant contact and we talk all the time. And Brian really drives the thought process around our investment philosophy here at Foundation Wealth Partners. And so we have a lot of really good conversations about what's going on in the market, uh, what's happening in the economy. And we had a really good discussion yesterday about where the market is right now. And I thought it'd be a fantastic idea to have Brian on. Brian, hey man, I can't I can't say thank you enough for coming on today to talk about this. How, how's it going today? What's happening, Sam? It's all good, man. Another day in a sweltering DFW metropolis. Ah, uh, that's, I don't know what to say, man. I don't know what to say about it. <laughs> Just yeah. is what it is. At least, at least, at least air conditioning exists, right? Right, right. Yeah. It'll cool down in December. Don't worry. You know, you have a 70 degree Christmas. No big deal. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I know yesterday we were talking about the S&P and, and how well it had done so far this year, even though it's been kind of a choppy ride to get to where it is. And we've been getting a lot of questions in about, is the S&P too high right now, right? Is the market too high? People people are worried. You know, obviously everyone's always wondering if they should get their money out, if they should put their money in. And, you know, the big question is basically, is the market overpriced right now or too high? So I wanted to really start off with your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, thanks, Sam. I think as it sits today, right, I think the market is overvalued, right? And, um, you know, if we look at it on a, on a price earnings ratio basis, and again, just PE ratio, we simply just take the, the price and divide it by the earnings per share. When you our, say the price, our, you our mean like the term, price of the stock, right? You got it. So price of the stock, divide that by earnings per share, and we get this ratio, which ultimately okay. is telling us what we're paying for every $1 of corporate earnings. And so by a historical standard, you know, if you take the 25-year average forward PE ratio, you know, the S&P, we're typically paying, you know, 16 and a half, 17, $17, you know, for every $1 of corporate earnings. Where are we at so right now? Is, is we're at almost 19 times um, forward earnings on the market. So okay. we're quite a bit higher than, you know, I, I would say that markets are certainly overvalued. Um, I wouldn't say that it's extreme, um, but there's an apparent overvaluation out there in markets, right? So things are looking a little rich. Do you think it's the entire market or certain segments of the market? Well, that's what that's where it gets really interesting, right? And so if you look at the market, you know, on the on the aggregate, you know, things are looking pretty ex expensive. But if you, you kind of take out those about 10 stocks that have driven the majority of the performance in the S&P or today, you know, you've got, you know, they're calling them, in fact, the, the Magnificent Seven, right? Okay. Um, you know, and these, these the small basket of stocks, and, and a lot of them are up, Sam, you know, 40, 50, 60, 100% year to date, right? Oh, wow. Um, yeah. We've seen... Um, there's a lot of disparity. So you've got this top group of stocks that has led the S&P higher, but there's mm -hmm. a lot of companies out there. There's, you know, the other four, you know, 490 companies, a lot of them are flat to even, believe it or not, negative year to date. You know, and right. so um, last time I checked, the S&P is up about 15% year to date. If you look at an equal weighted S&P index, in other words, like forget about market cap, let's just weight every stock equally. Mm -hmm. um, we, we'd be seeing about a 5% appreciation year to date on the equal weight, you know? So it's a, okay. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a completely different story, you know, than the, than the market weighting approach, right? 
Yeah. So what you're saying is those 10 stocks that the S&P 500, even though it's 500 different companies, they're not all, they don't all hold an equal weight. Like those 10 companies are so big now. What'd you say that they take up like 30% of the, of the entire index based on their size? Is that what you said? Oh yeah. I mean, what's, what's interesting is, is if you, if you just, you know, if you, if you look at the, uh, the composition of the S&P, mm -hmm. like I said, about 30% of the S&P is tech, right? Mm -hmm. But if you if you look at the if you look at the holdings inside the S&P, what you'll find is, is Apple makes up over 7% of the S&P 500. You believe that? Oh, wow. so there's 500. There's actually 505 companies in the S&P. When I guess if we're thinking equal weight, what we're saying is of 500 companies divided by 100%, each company right. should should theoretically hold 0.2% of the weight of the market. So 7% is I mean, that's that's a huge I, I don't know, right. like outsizement. I don't really know the right word, right? But compared to what an equal weight of, of 0 0.2, and then you get 7%, like that's that's a tremendous difference. Sure. You know, and you got, so so Apple at about 7%, Microsoft just behind it at you know, six, six and a half. And you got Amazon right behind, right behind Microsoft, followed by NVIDIA, which by the way, is up over 200% year to date, right? That's the uh, mm -hmm. the AI juggernaut. And then, and then you've got Google, followed by Tesla. And then here comes Facebook, right? Or Meta. Yeah. And that's the top holdings of the S&P, right? So if these companies are what have driven the price of the S&P up so far this year, and it's these companies that are causing the S&P to be overvalued right now, is the worry that that these companies coming back down in price is, is going to drag the market down? Or, uh, you know, or maybe what I should be asking is if, if stocks are overvalued right now, and we know things always revert to the mean or revert back to the average. You know, what are, what are the outcomes or what are the possible scenarios that are in front of us? Yeah, sure. Well, first, I think it's interesting to kind of look at it like this, right? If you take if you take the top 10% of the S&P right now, we're, we're, we're looking at a multiple of about 27 and a half times earnings mm -hmm. versus their long term, longer term average of about 20 times earnings. And so that's about 135, 140% of its longer term average. Yeah. Tam, the remaining stocks, and if you, if you take those out, the remaining stocks in the S&P are about a 17 and a half time, right? So that's about a 110, 112% of its longer term average, right? So okay. it's, it's, a, it's a little bit more palatable. And I think what, what investors have to acknowledge is that markets are forward looking, you know, so we're not, mm -hmm. we're not necessarily talking about today's earnings. We're talking about future earnings. Okay. And, and, and one thing I think, I think we also acknowledge is that I think that we're all on the same page that Rate, rates are likely going to come back down in years to come. Mm -hmm. It's possible for the Fed to engineer a soft landing. They, they certainly could, and it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be too, too terribly surprising. So, you, so before you go any further, what does a soft landing mean? Well, the soft landing means is that the Fed's able to curb inflation, get inflation back to their target of 2% without mm -hmm. causing a recession, right? So okay. really what that looks like is, is, you know, keeping these interest rates elevated for, for long enough for the economy to, to slow down, right? But then, mm -hmm. but then begin to ease or, or, or reduce interest rates and the economy not falling into a recession, right? So yeah. that's, that's a soft Okay. Finding. So what are the scenarios then, right? Because I'm, I'm imagining, okay, if we have an average PE ratio that tells us if things are fairly valued, and right now we know that the, the, the S&P 500 as a whole is overvalued, what are the two scenarios that bring us back to average because what i'm thinking is either the price of the stocks come down or earnings have to come up so i think the price of stocks coming down is kind of, kind of an obvious hey here's what's going to happen if sure. stocks come price the stocks come down right 
what could happen on the other end? What would cause earnings to come up and, and, and bring that price to earnings ratio up to where things are fairly valued? Right, right. So we, we grow the E, right? And so, so mm-hmm. to do that, I think that, you know, obviously we need to see earnings growth, but to, to enable that to occur, right, I think we need lower interest rates. You know, these higher interest rates are, they're a boat anchor on these corporate profits, you know? And so inflation continuing to come down is super helpful, right? Um, corporate mm-hmm. Corporations have, have maintained, you know, really attractive margins throughout all of this, right? And so, but if we, if we can get inflation to continue to come down and then, and then the Fed can, you know, start, start cutting interest rates, in my opinion, that'll do it, right? But the mm. question is, is like, are, are they going to be able to engineer this off landing? And, you know, I'm a little bit concerned that they're not going to be able to. Um, they, they hasn't happened in the past, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of idiosyncrasies that exist today, you know, that in my opinion are more of a, of a headwind, you know, for that soft landing to occur, right? Mm-hmm. But it is certainly possible. It's in the cards, right? So, you know, I think, I think someone might hear, you know, Hey, stocks are overvalued. Let's, let's, you know, put all our money in money market or just, you know, put my head in the sand and let's, let's come up and let's come up in a couple of years and see what it looks like. Right. And I think that that's, you know, potentially a big mistake as well. Right. I think that's something that's important for people to understand is for us to have an average, right. An average PE ratio that tells us that things are fairly valued. Yes, they do have to, you know, they are elevated, right. They have to spend some time above that average and they have to spend some time below. And what we don't know right now is how long can they stay above average, right? Because right. if we got out of stocks, as soon as they got over that average, we'd probably miss out on a lot of gains, right? And if we jumped into stocks, as soon as they dip below that average, we'd, we'd still experience a lot of pain. So I, I think it's important for people to understand it's just because you see and we see um, stocks is probably overpriced or overvalued right now. That doesn't mean that they don't have room for appreciation. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and there's 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 several ways that we can position or that, we, you know, we're positioned in portfolios, but, you, you know, there's several ways to position yourself so that not only are you putting yourself in a place so that if, if stocks continue to act, you know, what someone call irrationally and continue to edge up or that you're going to catch, 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 you know, all or the majority of that while protecting mm-hmm. yourself on the downside. Right. So give me one idea that you think really could help people stay invested. So that way, if we do continue to get upside, they can they can capture some of it. But also, I guess hedge some of that downside risk. Is that what you're saying? So what what's one idea? Yeah, you have yeah, for totally. That? So uh, so hedged equity, right? Um, with a hedged equity approach, and and you know what this means is is that we're we're hedging or protecting some of the downside, right? Um, in exchange, you know, for for taking away from some of the potential upside, you know. But what's interesting, Sam, in this environment with rates being so high and Believe it or not, volatility, as measured by the volatility index, the VIX, is, is actually unusually low today. Um, it makes protection really inexpensive. So, for example, one of our positions we have in portfolios is a you know a hedged equity strategy, and so we've got you know a version of it that reset you know a, a week ago. So it's for a year out. We've got a 10% buffer, so we're in the S&P 500, not not mm-hmm. you know market cap weighted, and so um, we've got a 10% buffer. So between now and, and next August, you know stocks draw down by 10% point to point, we don't lose a dime. If they're down by 12, we lose two, you know, okay. in exchange for that though, we're, we're giving up some upside. So we've got mm-hmm. a ceiling. The most we can make is around 17, 18%, right? Okay. Now, even with a soft landing, I don't know that there's that much, you know, upside in the short term. There certainly could be. I mean, I think that, you know, when you're in an environment like a macro, macro economic environment where, you know, there's some fog in the air, you know, I think that, you know, putting some protection on through, through hedging like this makes a lot of sense, especially, 
you know, an environment like we're in today where rates are so high and volatility is so low that protection is really cheap, which ultimately equate, equates to us, us being able to capture more upside, you know, than what we would have been able to capture, say, a couple of years ago when interest rates yeah. were significantly lower. You know, one more thing about um, about what you're talking about, and, and and we're talking specifically about something called buffered ETFs, right? That's That's what we're talking about. I think when people think of these like downside hedges, right, these buffers on the downside where they don't lose any money or they have some sort of protection on the downside or, or some sort of buffer, but there's some sort of, um, say, upside cap on the on the upside. I think traditionally most people, if they're familiar with that type of strategy at all, have known that to be tied up in an annuity and having to lock their money up for seven, 10 years, something like that. that that's not the case with this, though, right? No, Sam, these are, these are, they're relatively innovative, but you know, no, these, these are, these are daily liquidity, you know, daily liquid ETFs, exchange traded funds, right? So mm -hmm. we can, we can access our capital, you know, any day of the week. Um, in addition to that, there's no capital gain. So like next August, if we, if, if you don't sell that, you know, exchange traded fund, we're just going to reset it with a new cap and a 10% buffer. So it still acts the same as an ETF where, if you haven't sold it, or, or what I should say is there's no capital gain until you actually sell. That's what you're saying? Bingo. Bingo. Got yeah. It. And it, but however, you've got you've got liquidity every day of the week. Awesome. Well, hey, you mentioned something a second ago about interest rates. And you right. and I also sort of got into a conversation of another opportunity in bonds. And you know, I know we've been talking for a little while already, but I do want to ask, like I, I think that this has been super, super valuable. I think a lot of people will. Uh, be excited to hear that there are some options out there, right? I mean, yeah, market's elevated. People are worried. People are talking about a recession. People don't know what to do. And I think it's good for people to know that you have some options to protect on the downside and give yourself some upside potential, right? Um, but with interest rates, the way they are right now, you were mentioning the other day that there is some opportunity right now in bonds that there haven't been in a long time. And I, I want to ask a favor of you is, you know, would you mind coming back on and, and talking specifically about what you see happening in the bond environment right now and what could be in front of us as far as bonds are concerned? Sam, I'd be happy to. I, and I agree with you. I think that, you know, you know, I've talked to more more clients and friends, you know, here here as of late about, you know, money market funds and things of that nature. And while, you know, it's certainly a, an attractive opportunity for cash, I I'm seeing and 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 talking with folks out there too that that I I truly believe that a lot of people are going to miss the boat you know when it comes mm -hmm. to taking advantage of the opportunities that exist within the bond market today. So yeah, I think yeah. that um, be happy to help. Yeah, I agree. I I don't want to get too far into it today because I really want to save it for for the next time we have you on. But um, I think for so long bonds have really given people nothing and and even actually detracted from portfolios. Like we think about last year, right? And and people who who were conservative or moderate. And their bonds were supposed to act as the counterweight to the volatility of their stocks. And they actually saw bonds hurt their portfolio last year, may be very averse to thinking about what bonds could do for them in the future. So I think, uh, man, I'd, I'd like to get that next, uh, you know, next week. Let's let's talk about it. Is that all right with you? Let's do it, Sam. Yeah, let's all do right, it. Man. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being on. I, I really think people are going to are going to like this. Um, and, and I know we've already agreed to do this next week, but. Man, I think it'd be awesome if we did this on a regular basis. Would you be up for that? 
We'll, we'll see how it goes, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. All right. Connor's going to get ticked me, off. Sam, gonna Sam, be Sam, you got to understand, me, me and cameras don't get along, right? <laughs> we'll figure it out, man. You'll figure it out. You're going to have like a whole lighting kit and everything before you know it. You're going to have like your own sure. studio. It's going to be awesome. We just got to, right. you know, we'll keep giving the other episodes. We'll, we'll, Connor, Connor will be back. Connor, if you're listening to this episode, you're not getting replaced. We're just going to want to add some some additional content. Don't want to create any any uh, tension in the office. So, man, I, again, I really appreciate it. Everybody, I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, look forward to next week. We're going to talk about what's happening in the bond market right now and some opportunity that if it's not there right now, may be coming very soon. So uh, look forward to that. All right, Brian. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. See you later, Sam. Thanks for having me.